1: Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and, Herb. Tanny and
0: Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Echnerwall23. That is Lawrence spelled backwards. Chris Tannehill is at his name, Chris Tannehill, on Twitter. And the show is... Is at lockedonsocks@gmail.com at gmail.com. If you want to email us there and if you want to follow us, it's at lockedonsocks on Twitter and Instagram. But with no further ado, it is Chris Tannehill. How are you doing, Chris?
1: Oh, it's great. It's Fun Friday. That's what the kids in school and the, the first grade over at my daughter's school call Friday Fun Friday. Um, you know, they, they bring something for show and tell. Uh, I think I'm going to to bring some alcohol here for this uh, mailbag. We're going to break form. Usually we do these on Monday, but we kind of uh, had other things come up this week and we ran out of time. And We just started gabbing away about free agency the other day on Wednesday. So now we're going to finally get to that mailbag and there's plenty of new ones to get to on Monday as well. So this is unprecedented here. Uh, for back-to-back mailbag episodes of Locked on White Sox, provided there's no emergency podcast during the weekend. Uh, there won't be. Uh, but without any further ado, uh, we'll, we'll get to this mailbag, and we've got some socks in the city here as well. And, of course, we got Uncle Pete chiming in. Uh, but without any further ado, shall we open up this bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails we're going to try to get to some.
0: There's another email. I love email. email, email,
1: email. Oh, yes, we love your email, too. How can the Locked on White Sox listeners get in touch with us and send us a email for Mailbag Monday, What Up Wednesday, Talk to Us Tuesday, or even a, an occasional fun Friday? How can they get a hold of us, Herb? You send it
0: to lockedonsocks at gmail.com. Lockedonsocks at gmail.com is the way you reach us with your questions, comments, whatever you want to write. Baseball, White Sox, whatever. I will read them all. Not all of them make this show.
1: All right, let's lead it off here tonight with our guy, Sam in Hinsdale. My question is this. The upcoming season is truly the last chance for Ronaldo Lopez to have any chance to be part of the White Sox core moving forward. I think, as we all have seen, his inconsistency with pitching has become the biggest problem, allowing him to reach his full potential. There are games where he goes deep into looking like an ace, while some games he basically is a pinata to the opposing lineups before being pulled swiftly if we see more of the same inconsistency from Ronaldo this upcoming season, I am more on board with non tendering him next winter as we can't wait on guys now since our competitive window has opened. Anyways, what do you guys think about Ronaldo? That's Sam and Hinsdale. Thank you, Sam, for weighing in. Horby. what do you think about Ronaldo Lopez's future with the sacks? I'm,
0: I'm not a Ronaldo Lopez fan. I thought he should have been non tendered this season, this past offseason. The Sox see all fit to bring him back. I understand the the pitch mix and the fastball and stuff make him a very attractive uh, comeback character. And maybe with Ethan Katz, it unlocks something. And so bringing him back kind of makes sense. But yes, just like Sam says, the inconsistency, you, you can't depend on this guy. You see the flashes of brilliance and you're like, okay, striking out 14 Detroit Tigers is awesome. And it's hard to strike out any amount of team or anybody that much, and you see it. And then you get most of the time that disappointing Ronaldo Lopez that we all come to know. I I don't know if Ronaldo Lopez is going to get enough chances. I Well, let's say this. I hope Ronaldo Lopez doesn't get enough chances yes. to prove himself this year. That means that somebody in the rotation has gone down. Um, and so... I wish the kid luck. You know, he's like in mid-20s. I wish him luck, but I don't want to see him this whole year. And when you don't see Ronaldo Lopez the whole year, that means our team is on an upper echelon and our pitching rotation is going well and we don't need him to be in a bullpen and he's somewhere in uh triple A or traded somewhere else.
1: Yeah. It's weird with Ronaldo. I believe he's still, he's, he's a under White Sox team control until 2024. So you, you have some time there and, you know, I remember we had Ethan Katz on the radio show and he had this, like, you know, he had a very, very devilish, uh, silence, uh, when, when talking about Ronaldo Lopez, like he was one of the first guys who he had some plans for. So I'm really excited to see what he does with them. But ultimately I think we've said it all along. He's destined to be a bullpen arm and that may be okay. You know, he may be effective in that role. Um, but I will say this, though, it's going to be a fun competition there for that fifth spot in the rotation in the spring, provided they get to play a good size spring schedule, because Michael Kopak's coming back after not being on a major league mound in a regular season fashion since 2018. And, you know, we we saw him for one inning back uh, in spring last year. But I I don't think this thing is earned yet for him by any means, that fifth spot in the rotation. I don't know what their plan is going to be. There's a couple ways to look at it with Kopech and how it relates to Ronaldo. You know, the Sox could see Michael Kopech and say, okay, well, you're back now. And we don't want to waste any more of of those bullets in the gun. So we're not going to waste our time and put you down in Charlotte or whatever affiliate's going to be playing. We hope it's all of them. You know they may see that as wasteful uh, when you're talking about a young arm you know but then again this is a really un- unprecedented here in terms of him opting out last year, not pitching at all you know we, we assume he's on a program but we don't you know it's different you know with these other guys all of his other counterparts have been pitching in in meaningful games so I don't know what they're gonna do with him I'm my speculation is is that he's going to start the year. In the minor leagues, where he can be closely monitored and not be be thrusted into a spot where he's going to be throwing, you know, uh, high tension pitches, you know, in, in big league games, you know, and so I think that opens an opportunity for Ronaldo Lopez to step into that fifth spot and sort of make his last ditch effort to be a part of the White Sox starting rotation, which ultimately I don't think he's destined for. But you never know; he could come out in in April or May, whenever they decided to get going. It's I hate this discussion when we're talking about early in the season because we really don't know when they're going to get going with so many things going on in the world in the pandemic. But I think there's an opportunity for Ronaldo Lopez, and, and you know, just because he you know if he doesn't succeed in the starting spot, it doesn't mean that he's done by any means with the White Sox because I believe in baseball, if you have young cost controllable arms, you don't just say goodbye to those guys for nothing and you don't non-tender them just because you know uh, Carlos Rodon was notably non-tendered but I think we're all in agreement that Carlos Rodon had uh, enough opportunities with the White Sox. Ronaldo Lopez has not had the same amount of opportunities even though it seems like that, that he's been here forever. Um, but still, he's a young arm with, with some potential there. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm inclined to, to, to hang on to him and see if there's any way that he could stick. You know, with more games this year, hopefully at least 100 games on the schedule, you'll have an opportunity to play around with some things. You know, bad weather early in the year. He could be a sixth guy in the rotation, maybe a long man if things go awry for for one of the younger guys or anyone really for that matter. Um, you know, maybe a guy that you give Dallas Keuchel a breather every couple starts. We saw him; he had the back issues in twenty twenty. Maybe it's a guy that you don't want to ride as hard during the regular season, so you space out his starts a little bit. So there's still there's a lot of interesting things you can do with Ronaldo, and I hope he gives you a reason to say, yeah, let let's see what else he can do in this spot. You know, where he's just going out there and pitching and maybe not preparing to, to throw on five days you know uh, in a rotation schedule too like maybe just he's a guy that just maybe think less go out there and throw maybe that's the best fit for him in a bullpen so well, we'll see how it shakes out for Ronaldo but uh, yeah thank you Sam for the email as always uh, and we love your contributions uh, next one coming up here is from the Silva Bullet he says gentlemen I appreciate your hard work and dedication to your job oh it's not a job. Uh, what are your thoughts on how Liam Hendricks is going to be used? Because being the traditionalist that he is, I see La Russa using him strictly in the ninth, if not coming in to pitch some of the eighth. Or does Tony La Russa get with the times and use him in a critical, critical critical, situation, be it the sixth, seventh, or eighth? Thank you for your time. That's the Silva Bullets. All right, Herb, I got some data here to, to back it up with Liam Hendricks in terms of his usage here. Um, and of course I've lost it. Let me pull it up here. But how do you think Tony's going to uh, use uh, Liam here before we get to uh, sort of his, his past history?
0: If Tony was smart, uh, Liam Hendricks would be used in a hybrid sense of the closer where there's outs to be gotten in the eighth inning and Liam Hendricks being an ex-starter still has multiple innings in that arm. He's missed, not that 25, 26, and 27th out guy. If there's outs to be gotten and you've been exhausted all the better options and Liam Hendricks says he's ready to go, use them. Use them in the eighth inning to get a five-out save. Maybe not every time, but more often than a regular closer would. Those outs are precious. And if this guy is one of the best relievers, he just won the reliever of the year award in major leagues last year, you should be using him more often than not. You shouldn't be preserving him for some – long stretch he's a different breed he's a different guy that has extra bullets in his gun than other players so yeah in an ideal situation I would use him more in what Andrew Miller was used in when he was with Cleveland where sometimes he could be the closer sometimes he could be in the sixth or seventh or eighth inning because the high leverage situation is there and you want your best pitcher for high leverage situations in those spots but I know Tony Roos is old school so he's thinking only out 26, and twenty seven, but he has to, and Ethan Katz has to get his ear, expand his role if need be.
1: Yeah, and Liam Hendricks seems like a guy that's going to just you know get the ball and throw it, and you know these guys love routines in the bullpen, but Liam Hendricks has been uh, used a bunch of different ways in Oakland, and I'll get to that in a second here, but I, I think Tony will, just my opinion, I think he's going to like the guy having a defined role, and I think the easiest way to win a baseball game is going into it is if you know who's going to pitch. And win now. That could be having guys slated for certain innings, but also it could be having you, knowing where the, the the trouble spots are going to be for your pitching staff on that night. You know, you, you could realize, oh, we're you know, you're looking at you know, uh, let's say for example, the the Yankees, you know, three, four, five. Like we know that it's a situation where if the game shakes how, out like how we think it's going to shake out, we could see you know, Aaron Judge and and Stanton in the in the seventh inning. You know, and depending on the lead, Liam, I want you to be ready uh, for that. And I, and I think he would say, yeah, I'll do that. He seems like a good soldier in that regard. Um, I think just, you know, with a with the proper notice, like, hey, tonight I may use you a little bit earlier because you know, the lineup we're facing and because the, the game means this or whatever. Uh, but just for an example, so 2020 in a shortened season – uh, in Oakland, Liam Hendricks was used basically like a traditional closer w- would be used. Uh, most of his appearances, he had 24 of them. 17 of his 24 appearances occurred in the ninth inning in 2020. Uh, he was brought on two times in the eighth and two times total uh, in the seventh inning. And Now, uh, in the times that he was brought on in the eighth, he pitched, ultimately ended up saving the game, uh, pitched the eighth and ninth inning uh, to finish the game off. So he was never uh, lifted um well actually yeah and he was used in the 7th inning uh, one of those times where he did not uh, finish the game it was in a tie situation so you know he he was used kind of conservatively in 2020 in Oakland so I would expect it to be similar uh for the White Sox in in 2021 but if you go back and look at his 2019 splits uh he was used a little bit more like how you're talking about Herb like as as uh you know uh, an Andrew Miller type uh, and and you know any leverage uh, during the por- course of the ball game uh, is high leverage for Liam Hendricks in 2019. So if you're wondering, you know he actually was an opener a couple times in Oakland in 2019. Uh, he came on as early as the fourth inning uh, in 2019, uh, couple times in four in four games actually. You know only pitches two and two thirds innings, but his ERA in, in those appearances not very good six seven five. Uh, so. It- the way this breaks down is the earlier in the game that Liam Hendricks appears, uh, the worse the ERA is. So it's it's really bad when he's a, an opener uh, when he had to go on early and in the fourth inning. Now I don't know the full context of those games, but ERA is high. Sometimes those games are, you know where you just are getting your ass kicked and you're just trying to have guys go out there and wear it. So I get that. Uh, but then when he's called on in the fifth inning, uh, he, he did that for seven games, ERA of 142. Uh, called on in the sixth inning, five games, ERA of 225. So he's been used, used all over the place. Seventh inning, uh, 15 games, uh, uh, ERA of nothing, uh, 0.00 across the board. Eighth inning, ERA of 115. Then, of course, in the ninth inning, his traditional role, 42 appearances in 2019 uh, with an ERA just over two. So that's a really a fascinating indicator in 2019 of how uh, he was used in Oakland. I don't know if Tony will use him quite the same. But it goes to show you that he has done it before. So if if all of a sudden you see Liam Hendricks come out in the sixth or seventh inning in 2021, you know okay he's comfortable doing this because he's done it before, and Oakland is a little bit more progressive as far as that stuff goes. So yeah, uh, I think you will maybe see him, you know, uh, early on in the ball game. But ultimately, I think Tony's old school. He likes guys having their defined roles, and he knows that he can shorten a game by saying Liam Hendricks is, is on for the ninth inning. So I think that's how he'll be used. So uh, thank you, uh, as always, for checking in there. Uh, Silva Bullets, we appreciate you. It is Locked on White Sox. We're going to step aside here take a quick timeout. We're going to talk about Garrett Crochet and how he's progressing in his offseason rehab and also get to Sox in the city. We'll be back with Locked on White Sox after this. You guys ready for some football? My favorite sports day of the year next to opening day is this Sunday. I'm talking, of course, about Championship Sunday. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. All right, Herb, we're both on the same page here. Big day on Sunday. I know it's one of your favorite days on the calendar, uh, you know, the sports year. What are we looking at here this weekend? What kind of plays we are looking at for the National Football League?
0: Well, I mean, I usually look at that Kansas City minus three line and be all over it. I mean, last week I gave you Kansas City and the the Browns were a 10-point line. It got down to seven and a half, and I had to get it from betonline.ag but with the uncertainty of Patrick Mahomes, if he's going to play, I think he is. He but practiced he today. Little... He practiced yeah,
1: today, he's... so I'm inclined to pound that <laughs> right now. Uh,
0: yeah, if it's if you can get it right now, which BetOnline.ag has it at negative three points, so they're laying three points at home, Kansas City. And if they have a healthy um, Mahomes, I'm all over that. But I'm going to go the other way. It's going to be cold and snowy up in Green Bay, and the line is three also at BetOnline.ag. When have you ever seen a team go up there and beat Aaron Rodgers? Only one time, I think, is the Michael Vick game. He went up there in the playoffs and do the thing. But that might have not been Aaron Rodgers. That might have been uh, Brett Favre. I like the cold-weather Packers and the best player in the game today, which is Aaron Rodgers, to cover those three points. You, Taney?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I can't touch anything in that, that Tampa Bay-Green Bay game. I'm, I'm really excited to watch it. You know, t- two, you could argue the two greatest quarterbacks of all time uh, going up against each other there in that one. Uh, the over-under for that one is 51. That may be something worth considering, uh, just playing the over in that one if you want to do something like that. But I think I'm going to go, the, uh, in addition to pounding that KC minus three, uh, the over-under in that one is 54. You know, I'm inclined to go over on that one as well. Uh, with the aerial assault of those two teams, that's going to be a fun one to watch, man. I'm really looking forward to this weekend. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore, friends. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And this episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by RockAuto.com. You know, friends, there's so many different makes and models of auto parts. These days, it's really become impossible for you to find every single part that your car is going to ever need in a big box auto parts chain store. So why put yourself through the process of going through one of those chain stores and then asking the person behind the counter if they have the parts in their warehouse because that's all they have is the stuff that's in their warehouse. Why would you do that when you can find the exact parts that your car is going to need at rockauto.com? It's not enough that rockauto.com is about selection. No, no, no. But it's also about the pricing. I bet what you didn't know about those chain stores is they charge different prices for professionals and do-it-yourselfers like you and I. But rockauto.com, you're going to get the same prices and they're always going to be reliably low no matter who you are. And it could not be easier to order from them. You just go to rockauto.com, type in the parts that you're searching for. Order it up and wait for it to arrive at your doorstep. It's so easy. No signing up for an email and you're forgetting your password. No, 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 none of that. RockAuto.com is a family business, and they've been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. So go to RockAuto.com now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. This is the time to make sure your car has everything that it's going to need to get through the winter. So head to RockAuto.com, see all the prices available for your car or truck just right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com and now back to the show
0: so you get drafted right in the first round and then you say well i'll go through the minor leagues then i'll make it to the majors at some point hopefully soon hopefully soon as a couple months later for young garrett crochet 100 strike three garrett crochet keep that baseball his first major league strikeout we've talked about how bad 2020 has been for the world and for the nation but right now garrett crochet he couldn't think this is a better year in his whole life.
1: Next one coming in here from Phil. Phil writes this, friends, everyone seems to be set on crochet being in the bullpen for 2021. While I do want his contributions as soon as possible, I don't want to prolong his starting development. I understand that many think that he'll ultimately be a reliever, but you got to give an arm like that the opportunity to hit the ceiling. Do you guys think there's any scenario where he is able to develop as a future starter while being in the bullpen, long reliever, opener, etc.? That's from Phil. Thank you, Phil. So, Herb, Garrett Crochet in 2021, uh, what do you think their plan's going to be for him? I saw the Sox. They tweeted a video of him uh, throwing the other day, hitting the high 90s. Certainly looked good. There's no ill effects from that time we last saw him there in Oakland. How do you think he's going to be used, and how do you think that will affect his future with the White Sox?
0: I think the only – spot for him is the bullpen for multiple reasons. I mean, that's what he mostly did when he was down there in Tennessee, Tennessee, another <laughs> one. Um, so he, you know, started only, let see, about 12, 13 games when he was in Tennessee and all the rest of his appearances were in relief. And remember the beginning of the year with Tennessee got canceled because of COVID. So he only got one start. On in 2020, the whole year. And then his first appearances as the White Sox were his first work that whole year. He hasn't thrown a lot of pitches. He hasn't been stretched out. So for him to be a major league starter with zero minor league experience would be very rare and also unfair to the kid. I know that they want to do that eventually, but this year is about winning. And his best role to help this team win will be in a, a nice pin spot where he's also a high leverage guy because his stuff is filthy. And he, the major league really hasn't seen him a lot. But ask all those Cincinnati Reds hitters. Ask those uh, Oakland A's hitters the, the taste they got of him They don't want any of that.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, I think a clean inning for Garrett Crochet in 2021 is what they're going to be ultimately striving for because you heard maybe coming out after that wild card game, the elimination game where he was brought in. In the middle of an inning, and you know he wasn't really comfortable with that because he was a starter. We talked about it at the time, so I think you know there's not going to be many guys with a, with a plan for Tony La Russa to follow. But I think they're going to be cautious with him and, and how he's used because ultimately you do have to zoom out and and, and look at this thing from from a, a you know thirty thousand foot view. And I think they're going to have him on the Chris Sale plan. I think you'll you'll see him a, rel- a reliever early in his career. It get experienced that way while not wasting years, uh, you know, wasting innings. I think ultimately he will be a starter, but this year I don't think so. I think maybe next year is where you would target him ramping up in the offseason uh, to be a starter. I think that would be fair. But, but this year I think, you know, just the, the possibilities of, of, of another go-round, uh, against the league, and you now you're going to be facing teams who you didn't see at all last year. I think the the possibility of, of Garrett Crochet in your bullpen, it, facing teams that have never seen him before, I think that's really an intriguing possibility for the White Sox. And obviously, you know he doesn't have the the minor league foundation now to ramp up and be ready to start. You know, let's like you know let's say by middle of the year, he doesn't have that in place. I don't think, and I think they're going to be super cautious with him. You you see him a couple times a week. And hopefully they can ramp him up so late in the season you could see him a little bit more but I think they're they' they're, they're in a good spot with Garrett crochet where they can be cautious while still mindful of the future but yeah it's uh its I can't wait to see more of him and I, and I hate saying what I just said that they're gonna be cautious with him because that means we're gonna you know we're gonna be deprived by seeing him as much mm-hmm. as we would like to but they should be careful with him especially after that scare in that wild card game man that you know all of us still thinking about that like you know it, it, it was such a fast-moving Game and it was so crazy with all the pitching changes and it's an elimination game, the first in the franchise history, and all of a sudden your number one pick is coming out with arm trouble. I think we all had a little bit of a heart attack there, so I think there's no reason uh, to try to rush anything with Garrett Crochet, and if it if it means just getting him some some reps in the bullpen until 2022, then then so be it. I think that's how they'll do it, but I, they are mindful that this guy is, is a great A talent. People saying, I don't know how they, they he even fell to the White Sox and where they got him. So, yeah, I, I think you could be looking at him starting in 2022 if I had to guess. That's just my amateur opinion. But uh, we appreciate the email, Phil, checking in. Uh, next one coming in here from uh, – oh, boy. It's our guy. It's Uncle Pete. Yes, <laughs> Uncle Pete. Yes. Uh, what's good, boys? How's quarantine life been for you, Pork Pounders? All I can think about is how bad we need a fifth starter. The Sox should sign John Lester to a one-year, uh, one million-dollar deal. <laughs> That's kind of a lowball offer for Lester. Uh, This is before John Lester signed with the Nationals. But let's go ahead and and read this thing through. Uh, Maybe the logic is sound. He's still got a little Chiba left in the one hitter, and is better than any option we have now. Are you mowing what I'm growing? Uh, By the way, I recently signed up for Tinder and have been cleaning house, Molly Maid style. If if any of your feline (laughs) listeners want to lift, they can find me on there at Justin Tinderlake. Holla at your boy. Peace, y'all. Uncle Pete, who needs a stamp? Tinder's been keeping my fungo damp. Oh, thank you very much, <laughs> Uncle Pete, <laughs> for, for checking in. Uh, also, I do have to – I have an apology for Uncle Pete. I was going through my oh. notes when I was looking up the Joe Musgrove thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Uncle Pete is the originator of Socks in the City, and uh, not that other guy who I said. So that was Uncle Pete's idea. So, so we, we have to –
0: providing I, everything for here.
1: Yeah, so I have a new cap. That I'll be tipping to Uncle Pete here. I picked it up at Grandstand last weekend, and they are not a sponsor of the show, but they're a family-owned local business that I've been going to ever since I was a kid. When I would beg my dad to take me in there, and he would ultimately say no. Uh, but you know, if you're looking for White Sox gear, I picked up a this brand new New Era. Uh, limited edition joint from uh, from Grandstand last weekend. So I tip my my Campbell C silver and black new era to you, Uncle Pete, for uh, inventing uh, socks in the city. It's been a very fruitful segment uh, in the early uh, returns here. But John Lester, um, again, Mike Rizzo, man, I, I give him credit. John Lester, I, I you know just a quick thing about him. I love watching John Lester p- pitch so much. You know with the Cubs, like. Being one of the most important free agent signings in Chicago sports history, coming on and buying in when the team wasn't any damn good. And you remember hearing the pitch about them creating a video, you know, a pitch for John Lester where they had the Cubs winning the World Series. It was sort of like a, you know, a, a video game sort of simulation. And that you know that was part of their recruitment process for John Lester, and he goes on to basically be exactly what you brought him over to be—a guy with World Series pedigree, having already won in Boston, and and totally transforming the culture, at least from this, the 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 pitching perspective, for the Cubs. And it was just a, a treat to watch him uh, mow through these lineups as the stuff started to deteriorate a little bit, but as he got to be a smarter pitcher and got to locate, it was a joy watching him pitch. And again, another. Very, very savvy move by the Nationals to scoop him up. But, yeah, obviously he can't go to the Sox now. But what did you think of that John Lester move uh, going to the Nationals, Herb?
0: Good for him. I mean, I think the pitcher is not a guy that I would want on my team if I was competing. Um, not because he's some bad dude, just because I don't think the talent's there anymore. I mean, both times the White Sox faced them last year. I think we predicted that the White Sox were going to eat that day. And, that Friday night, I believe Friday night in Wrigley, White Sox ate. and then later on when they came to guaranteed rate, the White Sox had a good game versus them. Um, and I think we talked about it on Wednesday's episode about Jose Quintana and how we don't want to get guys just because we know them, the sentimental type of thing in the warm fuzzy blanket. And that case wouldn't be for the White Sox, but also it would be like, okay, we get this guy's a veteran. We seen him on the North side, do all the good stuff, won a World Series for him. Let's bring him on the south side. No, absolutely not. I'll take Quintana much more before I'll take John Lester. I think that John is on his last legs as you see the deal, the difference of the deals. I think Quintana signed for $8 million, John signed for like five, and the Cubs offered him like two. So Uncle Pete wasn't too off on his uh, prediction of a Chicago team offering him a contract. But, um, yeah, good luck to him. Bought. People beers here in a in a pandemic, which is weird. But you know, I get I get the I get the point. Um, and good dude, uh, of all accounts, he dealt with the his teammates and the media with respect, and a good pitcher during his probably the best Cubs free agent signing. In the history of their team, and probably the second or third
1: best in the history of Chicago. So, well, while we're on the topic, then you know, I think a case could easily be made for number one. What do you think, you know, in terms of Chicago sports free agents? Uh, what are your your top picks if it's not John Lester? Number one
0: is by far it's Marion Jose. It's not, yeah, yeah. like he was an awesome player on the ice. I, I used to cite that he's the best player on the ice when Tazen came on the ice, when Duncan Keith was in the prime, the best player on the ice is Marion Hossa. And he changed that franchise from really good to Stanley Cup champions three times. Like, he won a Stanley Cup the year before he came here and then won that cup in 10, 13, and 15. So, yeah, by far, I'm not even a hockey guy. There's no better free agent signing than Marion Hossa for what the... Player was phenomenal. And what the success of the team did. There's another argument that could be made for Albert Bell, who had two of the greatest offensive seasons on the top greatest offensive seasons in White Sox history. Just phenomenal year. I think ninety eight, and I think you brought this up the other day. You could look at those numbers and say, "Mm, better than Sammy Sosa that year, and who was the MVP that year. So yeah, Albert Bell, while this team didn't have success, and most people say he did that after the White Sox were eliminated and, you know, uh, well done in the division. Cleveland was just the juggernaut back then. Um, he had a great time. So I would say, yeah, Marion Holtz is probably one. John Lester is 2-3. And then I, uh, I'm not thinking of any bulls right now off the top of my dome. I, mean, I Wallace. Ben Wallace.
1: <laughs> George Offman right. George Offman mentioned mentioned uh I almost called him Andrew Dawson, Andre Dawson, uh, on Twitter today when talking about best Chicago sports free agents. That was a little bit before our time but yeah. uh, the, the other Hawk winning an MVP award, but that team ultimately didn't do anything. But again, you know, lived up to his part of the contract. so I, won
0: a division, I guess, but yeah, they didn't win everything. But yeah, yeah. the blank check type of thing, I think that was a, maybe a more exaggerated story, But or he really did want to play for the Cubs in Wrigley Field, just getting those bad knees up there at Olympic Stadium in Montreal and having a great career up there, and then came down here and won the MVP immediately for a last place team in 87. Good, not great. I don't think he was a great cub. He was a good cub. His, his hall of fame years were in Montreal. He was pretty good as a cub. Um, hmm. I would, I would think his teammate, Rock Reigns was a better non-expo than Hawk was, even though Hawk won the um, MVP in 87 Tim Reigns, after he played for the Expos went and played well here with the White Sox. I think he won a World Series or two with the Yankees. He did, yeah, and a pretty good uh, post-Expos shirt, uh, um, Expos uh, career. So, I know Cup fans are pissed out there. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. I'm just gonna let you go.
1: I'm just gonna let you go in.
0: If you're looking at the person and the team success, there's no doubt. Like, I don't know if Andre Dawson ever won any championships after he left. Maybe he had a cup of tea somewhere where he was like a, a contributor. But I don't recall that. I remember Reigns being a huge contributor for a lot of some division teams here with the White Sox and then going to the Yankees and them using him very well and them winning championships with him.
1: Uh, one of the, the, the tragedies of this pandemic is, you, you remember, we had Andre Dawson at the Score Studios, like, I think it was last February or something like that. And he, was, he came in to talk about how, you know, he learned how to swim, and like he was like helping out like this this not helping out but he was basically the pitch man for this swim school out in the suburbs. And he was talking about how late in life, you know, he decided to learn how to swim. And I vowed if Andre Dawson, if the, if the goddamn Hawk himself uh, could, could learn how to swim at a late age, like I would do the same. Uh, But then, you know, if a pandemic kind of threw a monkey wrench into that, but yeah, I'm still gonna, it's always back in my mind. You you know, one thing you know about Andre Dawson, he runs a funeral home and he learned how to swim late in life. Um, But back to your Albert Bell thing, You know, that's really frustrating looking back at it now, and that's, you know, what, uh, 20-plus years ago, and the White Sox still have not made a big splash in free agency since then, which you it doesn't make any sense because he, you know, performed for what the contract was. And the fact that they're so gun-shy still about signing guys in free agency and making a splash, like, it's frustrating now. Just, just, you know, thinking about that uh, going forward here as we talk about the White Sox here. But uh, yeah, I, I would just back to the original question, I would say, yeah, it's Marion Hosa without a doubt. You know, we're, we're, we remember what it was like, uh, you know, 11 years ago watching him, uh, Hosa Knights, when he made his debut uh, against the Sharks, you know, uh, you know, started the season a little late. And, you know, just when he got on the ice, you know, I think Jason Goff coined him the general and that's what he was out there and you know that's he was a guy that that was a critical position player unlike John Lester who's just just a pitcher and I don't mean to undermine it but a guy that only played once every five days so it's impossible to have the same impact but yeah John Lester uh to, to put a bow on this thing a uh, definite Chicago sports legend uh, and definitely did his part uh given the white the given the Cubs many opportunities to to play deep into October uh we mentioned Sox in the city uh The segment where you, you know, tell us about your encounters with White Sox players uh, in ideally awkward situations. Uh, Shall we do Socks in the City here as we close out this fun Friday edition of Locked on Socks?
0: I think it's only fair for the fans out there of Socks in the City.
1: Let's do it. Jimmy Dugan? Yeah. Can you send my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. This is one of my favorite types of socks in the city because it's a guy embarrassing his wife publicly. <laughs> if if you have if you're into like uh you know if you're like have a fetishist and you like uh you get intrigued by guys uh, embarrassing their partners, uh, this socks in the city is for you. This one coming in from Joe. Joe wants to uh, put his wife on blast here, so Joe checks in and says this. I ran into A.J. Pruszynski on opening day 2018. I shook his hand and I said, I want to tell you, I'm dead serious. You're on my wife's list. <laughs> what could that list be, Herb?
0: Uh, she's got a honeydew list and he's got to go and meet him. So, yes, it's done.
1: <laughs> well, apparently A.J. Pruszynski knew exactly what Joe meant and he laughed in amusement and said, quote, does she have a few minutes? That is on brand for AJ right there. Um, does she have a few minutes? Yeah. Uh, and he says, "Luckily, my wife was not there with me." Uh, for further entertainment, this guy, he uh, Joe, wants to tell us his wife's list. Uh, we can evaluate his wife's list here. For further entertainment, my wife's list includes AJ, Stone Cold Steve Austin, one beer, two beers, three beers. A shot of whiskey, a margarita, and a Bloody Mary. Brian Urlacher and Mayhem from the Allstate commercials. (laughs) That's a well thought out list. Not very diverse. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: (laughs) Same. (laughs) <laughs> Two more bald.
1: Yeah, so maybe you know Joe's exactly uh, Joe's avatar here shows he has hair, so you know maybe Joe should consider uh, going bald or maybe rocking some jorts uh, like Stone Cold would. Uh, Joe says that she has a type, and I'm just a clean cut guy who drives a Toyota. <laughs> uh, don't be smirched a to Toyota; they're very nice. Uh, I don't know what she sees in me. Uh, so that's from Joe. Uh, and he's got another one here actually. He says, I met Harold Baines during a Cubs Sox game. Evidently, I split a case of Miller Lite on the Rock Island Metra on our way in and had access to White Sox corporate partner box and mini fridge for the game. That's quite a come up there champ. So Harold Baines enters in the seventh inning to say hi. That's really that's a mouthful for Harold there uh, to just, just come in to say hi. You're really blessed. Her uh, post exactly. Uh, it couldn't shut him up that day. Uh, it's just me and my best friend in there, and I'm barely coherent. Upon shaking his hand, I drop my 16 ounce aluminum can, and it creates an eruption from toe to head on Harold Baines. He did not kill me, but he was not happy. Then he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. You're welcome, Harold. You earned it. He gave Harold Baines a beer bath at a corporate suite. Joe, stay hot.
0: (laughs) I got a socks in the city. The same with uh, Harold Baines as we went to uh, some scout seats and Harold was like, you know, famously I said that Harold didn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And that's still true. It's a hundred percent true. I don't care who listens to it and who hears this and gets mad. Congratulations for him to get in the getting get there and Jerry Ryan's offering Tony Lewis for finessing him into the Hall of Fame. Good job, guys. But I had said that before Twitter and all that stuff. We're in like some cafeteria, I guess, for the scout seats. Um and we're sitting there and Harold's like five, 10 feet away from us. And I was like, you know, as I leave this room, I'm just going to go and say, you know, congratulations. And so, you know, Harold's unassuming. He's like sitting down, he's eating his food. I go up to him. It's like, Hey, Mr. Baines, congratulations on making the hall of fame. Uh, It's a great honor for you and your family. And then I shook his hand and I think I have like pretty good size hands. Like I'm a big dude, dude hands just like the, the that was what I took away. It just like enveloped my hands and they're like rough like a like a carpenter. Like he's been working like with, <laughs> with Ron with Ron, whole Ron, life.
1: With Ron with Ron Kittle's uh <laughs> benches yeah.
0: his whole life. He's like he's just helping him out and he he's been a silent partner this whole time. Very silent. And <laughs> I was like man Harold's been like what has he been working like in the hit in like twenty years. What the hell's going on? But yeah that's what I took away. It's like God damn no wonder. Like there's me who's big and thinks he's big as a person and then you get to meet a person who really is big like harold doesn't look that big you know like he's tall and stuff but he's a big ass dude and you don't recognize how big these major league baseball players are on tv until you meet them in person and that is a like that's a different person that that's, I understand now how he made the major leagues and how he was different than other people and how that's a different class of person.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, just the idea of giving a hall of famer a beer bath, how embarrassing uh, is that? Um, but yeah, man, like I remember when you talking about shaking an athlete's hands, I remember when, you know, we started working with Dan Hampton with the Danimal and, you know, Anyone who's ever met like a, an offensive or defensive lineman who played NFL football, their hands are just jacked up, big as hell. Danimal's fingers just go all—they're all askew. They go different ways from matching up against these old linemen for his entire career. But just like a like a bear's hands, like you said, it was—it just—it just envelops your entire hand, and you just feel like such a weakling uh, shaking hands at some, uh, with a pro athlete. It's 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 not a good look right there. But uh, we certainly appreciate uh, Joe's story. That's really what we're looking for. That's the essence for Socks in the City. You embarrass yourself. Uh, and ideally, members of your family, and that's that's my favorite type of socks in the city. Uh, you know, so so you know, keep your wife away from Stone Cold there, and uh, don't try and uh, spill any Steve Weisers on any future Hall of Famers. Okay, if you this see, is <laughs>
0: this is the thing. This is thing. It's like would like would Joe or people who really have those lists really be smooth if they get juiced <laughs> by AJ Brzezinski?
1: Yeah, we got to like, I know higher. people make
0: those things because it's you know they're never gonna meet them. But hell, if that was a cer- such of a thing, like if people actually had that, like that's a you know you could, that lady could meet AJ Brzezinski, <laughs> and and AJ like well, fuck it, you know, you know, I'm sure AJ is a major league baseball player. We're, we're not spilling secrets here, and I'm not saying him personally, but you know, come on, now.
1: that's a, that's they've, practical. They've knocked down a lot. That's a practical scenario that could happen yes and all you like, need, all you need is a couple drink alcoholic beverages between the two of them and that's a situation where all of a sudden you're like oh well that was a lot easier than i thought it sounded like a pipe dream when we were making our lists you know what yeah. i mean like that'd be like me saying oh hey honey uh you know who's on my list is uh is, is, is the girl that works at portillo's over here <laughs> or, <laughs> exactly. or the girl the girl at starbucks you're know, like you know we, we need to aim a little bit higher than that i think yeah when we're like making the, our like, lists. just
0: like literally, they could go to a socks fest. She sees AJ at the bar after, and it's like, all right, fuck it. And Joe, like, smooth. I mean, I'm not, hey, if that's your marriage, that's your marriage, man. Hey, you know, so, hey, don't don't young. That's all good. If you're, if, hey, if you're like, man, my wife knocked down AJ. That's what I'm messing with. All good. Um, that's real. But I, I just know for myself, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be a smooth thing. Like you know, monogamous relationship is to me a monogamous relationship. No matter
1: what. Yeah. Well, Joe, I got to know who's on your list. And I hope you have one that's a little more accessible. You got to have one that's accessible, uh, you know, so that's something, you know, to even out your wife's, uh, you know, I'm not going to criticize your wife's list. You know, it's a, a solid list. Um, you know, it's a little bit all over the place, the personalities, but, uh, yeah, it's, I, I would like to see your list that you propose to the wife, or this could be a situation where, uh, you know, uh, maybe he doesn't have a list because maybe his wife would get mad if she actually if she knew the actual list. Because I could see that happening, too, where the wife's like, here's my list. What about yours? And then you give the list, and, like, why her? Like, you had, do you like that type? What about me? You, know, you don't like me? Like, I could see that being a thing uh, with a husband and wife, wife. Uh, maybe
0: I only have one list. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the only way to answer that. You, you you sound like a like a man that's been married for twenty five years, there, Herb. Uh, no,
0: just uh, got the <laughs> wisdom of one and without all the pain.
1: All right, that does it for this uh, fun Mailbag Friday edition of Locked On Sox. We're back on Monday uh, with hopefully with another Mailbag and hopefully some more news to break down as the free agents uh, sort of uh, you know, you know fall into place here around baseball and hopefully the White Sox are in the mix. Uh, to round out that roster and uh, acquire some new names to be on the team in 2021, uh, but that's all I got today, Herbie. I hope you guys have a good weekend out there.
0: Yes, have a great weekend, guys. Uh, for Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. I am Herb Lawrence wall 23 on Twitter, and the show is at Locked On Socks. And you want to participate next time? Locked On Socks at Gmail dot com. Locked On Socks at Gmail dot com is where you send your questions, your comments. Baseball-wise, non-baseball-wise, your socks in the City things, all there at lockedonsocks at gmail.com. And make sure that you go to our YouTube page, hit the subscribe button and the notifications bell, and make sure that you are watching Locked On Sox on YouTube when we drop an episode there or just a piece. Chris did a 2020 recap there, so you can go there right now and check it out. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for joining us on this Friday edition, rare Friday edition of Locked On.